Section 14 of Under Drake's Flag, A Tale of the Spanish Main. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Under Drake's Flag, A Tale of the Spanish Main by G. A. Henty. Chapter 13. Through the Cordilleras. After three months of steady travel, the country, which had become more and more hilly as they advanced toward the west, assumed a different character. The hills became mountains, and it was clear that they were arriving at a great range running north and south. They had for some time left the broad plains behind them, and game was very scarce. The Indians had, of late, been more and more disinclined to go far to the west, and the tribe with whom they were now traveling told them that they could go no further. They signified that beyond the mountains dwelt tribes with whom they were unacquainted, but who were fierce and warlike. One of the party, who had once crossed, said that the people there had fires like those which the white men had taught them to make. "'You see, Tom,' Ned said, "'they must have been in contact with the Spaniards, or at least with the tribes who have learned something from the Spaniards. In that case our supernatural power will be at an end, and the color will be against us, as they will regard us as Spaniards, and so as enemies. At any rate, we must push on and take our chance.' From the Indian they learned that the track lay up a valley before them, that after a day's walking they would have to begin the ascent. Another day's journey would take them to a neck between two peaks, and the passage of this country would occupy at least a day. The native described the cold as great here, even in summer, and that in winter it was terrible. Once across the neck, the descent on the other side began there can be no snow in the pass now tom it is late in december and the hottest time of the year and although we must be a very great height above the sea for we have been rising ever since we left the coast we are not so very far south and i cannot believe the snow can now lie in the pass let us take a good stock of dried meat a skin for water we can fill it at the head of the valley and make our way forward i do not think the sea can lie very far on the other side of the range of mountains but at any rate we must wait no longer captain drake may have passed already but we may still be in time the next morning they bade adieu to their companions with whom they had been travelling for a fortnight these glad again to turn their faces homeward set off at once and the lads shouldering their packs started up the valley the scenery was grand in the extreme and ned and tom greatly enjoyed it sometimes the sides approached in perpendicular precipices leaving barely room for the little stream to find its way between their feet at others it was half a mile wide when the rocks were not precipitous the sides were clothed with a luxuriant foliage among which the birds maintained a concert of call and song so sheltered were they that high as it was above the sea the heat was very oppressive and when they reached the head of the valley late in the afternoon they were glad indeed of a bath in a pool of the stream choosing a spot of ground near the stream the lads soon made a fire put their pieces of venison down to roast and prepared for a quiet evening it seems strange to be alone again tom after so many months with those indians who were ever on the watch for every movement and word as if they were inspired it is six months now since we left the western coast and one almost seems to forget that one is english we have picked up something of a half-dozen indian dialects and we can use their weapons almost as well as they can themselves and as to our skins they are as brown as that of the darkest of them the difficulty will be to persuade the people on the other side that we are whites 
how far do you think the sea lies on the other side of the range of mountains tom asked i have no idea ned replied and i do not suppose that anyone else has the spaniards keep all matters connected with this coast a mystery but i believe that the sea cannot be many days march beyond the mountains for an hour or two they chatted quietly their thoughts naturally turning again to england and the scenes of their boyhood will it be necessary to watch think you tom asked i think it would be safer tom one never knows i believe that we are now beyond the range of the natives of the pampas they evidently have a fear of approaching the hills but that only shows that the natives from the other side come down over here i believe that they were when the spaniards landed peaceable people quiet and gentle so at least they are described but those who take to the mountains must be either escaped slaves or fugitives from the cruelty of the spaniards and even the gentlest man when driven to desperation becomes savage and cruel to these men our white skins would be like a red rag to a bull they can never have heard of any white people save the spaniards and we need expect little mercy if we fall into their hands i think we had better watch turn about i will take the first watch for i am not sleepy and my thoughts seem busy to-night with home tom was soon fast asleep and ned sat quietly watching the embers of the fire occasionally throwing on fresh sticks until he deemed that nearly half the night was gone then he aroused his companion and lay down himself and was soon fast asleep the gray light was just beginning to break when he was aroused by a sudden yell accompanied by a cry from tom he leaped to his feet just in time to see a crowd of natives rush upon him and his comrade discharging as they did so numbers of small arrows several of which pierced him as he rose to his feet before they could grasp their bows or any other weapons the natives were upon them blows were showered down with heavy clubs and although the lads made a desperate resistance they were beaten to the ground in a short time the natives at once twisted strong thongs round their limbs and then dragging them from the fire sat down themselves and proceeded to roast the remains of the boys deer meat this is bad business indeed tom ned said these men doubtless take us for spaniards they certainly must belong to the other side of the mountains for their appearance and language are altogether different to those of the people we have been staying with these men are much smaller slighter and fairer runaways though no doubt they are they seem to have more care about their persons and to be more civilized in their appearance and weapons than the savages of the plain what do you think they will do with us ned i have no doubt in the world tom that their intention is either to put us to death with some horrible torture or to roast us the spaniards have taught them these things if they did not know them before and in point of atrocities nothing can possibly exceed those which the spaniards have afflicted upon them and their fathers whatever were the intentions of the indians it was soon evident that there would be some delay in carrying them out after they had finished their meal they rose from the fire some amused themselves by making arrows from the straight reeds that grew by the stream others wandered listlessly about some threw themselves upon the ground and slept while others coming up to the boys poured torrents of invective upon them among which they could distinguish in spanish the words dog and spaniard varying their abuse by violent kicks as however these were given by the naked feet they did not seriously inconvenience the boys what can they be waiting for tom said why don't they do something if they are going to do it i expect ned said they are waiting for some chief or for the arrival of some other band 
and that we are to be kept for a grand exhibition so it proved three days passed and upon the fourth another band smaller in numbers joined them upon the evening of that day the lads saw that their fate was about to be brought to a crisis the fire was made up with huge bundles of wood the natives took their seats around it with gravity and order and the boys were led forward by four natives armed with spears then began what was a regular trial the boys although they could not understand a word of the language could yet follow the speeches of the excited orators one after another arose and told the tale of the treatment that he had experienced one showed the wails which covered his back another held up his arm from which the hand had been locked a third pointed to the places where his ears had once been another showed the scar of a hot iron on his arms and legs some went through a pantomime which told its tale of an attack upon some solitary hut the slaughter of the old and infirm and the dragging away of the men and women into slavery others spoke of long periods of labor in a bent position in a mine under the cruel whip of the taskmaster all had their tale of barbarity and cruelty to recite and as each speaker contributed his quota the anger and excitement of the rest rose poor devils ned said no wonder that they are savage against us see what they have suffered at the hands of the white men if we had gone through as much you may be sure that we should spare none our only chance is to make them understand that we are not spanish and that i fear is beyond all hope this speedily proved to be the case two or three of the natives who spoke a few words of spanish came to them calling them spanish dogs ned shook his head and said not spanish for all reply the natives pointed to the uncovered portions of their body pulled back their skins which covered their arms and pointed to the white flesh laughing incredulously white men are spanish and spaniards are white men tom groaned and that we shall have to die for the cruelty which the spaniards have perpetrated is clear enough well ned we have had more good fortune than we could have expected we might have been killed on the day we landed and we have spent six jolly months in wandering together as hunters on the plain if we must die let us behave like englishmen and christians it may be that our lives have not been as good as they should have been but so far as we know we have both done our duty and it may be that as we die for the faults of others it may come to be considered as a balance against our own faults we must hope so tom i think we have both done i won't say our best but as well as could be expected in so rough a life we have followed the exhortations of the good chaplain and have never joined in the riotous ways of the sailors in general we must trust that the good god will forgive us our sins and strengthen us to go through this last trial while they had been speaking the natives had made an end of their deliberation tom was now conducted by two natives with spears to a tree and was securely fastened ned under the guard of the other two was left by the fire the tree was situated at a distance of some twenty yards from it and the natives mostly took their place near the fire some scattered among the bushes and presently reappeared bearing bundles of dry wood these were laid in order around the tree at such a distance that the flames would not touch the prisoner but the heat would gradually roast him to death as ned observed the preparations for the execution of his friend the sweat stood in great drops on his forehead and he would have given anything to be able to rush to his assistance and to die with him 
had his hands been free he would without hesitation have snatched up a bow and sent an arrow into tom's heart to release him from the lingering death which awaited him and he would then have stabbed himself with a spear but while his hands were sufficiently free to move a little the fastenings were too tight to admit of his carrying out any plan of that sort suddenly an idea struck him and he began nervously to tug at his fastenings the natives when they seized them had bound them without examining their clothes it was improbable that men in savage attire would have about them any articles worth appropriating the knives indeed which hung from their belts had been cut off but these were the only articles which had been touched just as a man approached the fire and seizing a brand stooped forward to light the pyre ned succeeded in freeing his hand sufficiently to seize the object which he sought this was his powder flask which was wrapped in the folds of the cloth round his waist with little difficulty he succeeded in freeing it and moving a step closer to the fire he cast it into the midst of it and at the very moment the man with the lighted brand was approaching tom then he stepped back as far as he could from the fire the natives on guard over him not understanding the movement and thinking he meditated flight closed around him an instant later there was a tremendous explosion the red-hot embers were flaming in all directions and both ned and the savages who stood by him were with many others struck to the ground as soon as he was able ned struggled up again not a native was in sight a terrific yell had broken from them at the explosion which sounded to them like one of the cannons of their spanish oppressors and smarting with the wounds simultaneously made by the hot brands each without a moment's thought had taken to his heels tom gave a shout of exultation as ned rose the latter at once stooped and with difficulty picked up one of the still blazing brands and hurried towards the tree if these fellows will remain away for a couple of minutes tom you shall be free he said and i don't think they will get over their scare as quickly as that so saying he applied the end of the burning brand to the dry withes with which tom was bound to the tree these at once took fire and flared up and the bands fell to the ground now tom do me the same service this was quickly rendered and the lad stood free now let us get our weapons a short search revealed to them their bows laid carefully aside while the ground was scattered with the arms which the natives in their panic had dropped pick them all up tom and toss them on the fire we will take the sting out of the snake in case it tries to attack us again in a minute or two a score of bows spears and other weapons were thrown on the fire and the boys then leaving the place which had so nearly proved fatal to them took their way up the mountainside it was a long pull the more so that they had food water and large skins for protection from the night air to carry steadily as they kept on with only an occasional halt for breath it was late before they emerged from the forest and stood upon a plateau between two lofty hills this was bare and treeless and the keen wind made them shiver as they met it we will creep among the trees tom and be off at daybreak to-morrow however long the journey we must get across the pass before we sleep for the cold there would be terrible a little way down the crest it was so warm that they needed no fire while a hundred feet higher exposed to the wind from the snow-covered peaks the cold was intense they kept careful watch but the night passed quietly the next morning they were on foot as soon as the voices of the birds proclaimed the approach of day as they emerged from the shelter of the trees they threw their deerskins round them to act as cloaks and stepped out at their best pace 
the dawn of day was yet faint in the east and stars burning bright as lamps overhead in the clear thin air and the cold was so great that it almost stopped their breathing half an hour later the scene had changed altogether the sun had risen and the air felt warm the many peaks on either side glistened in the flood of bright light the walking was easy indeed after the climb of the previous day and their burdens were much lightened by their consumption of food and water the pass was of irregular width sometimes but a hundred yards sometimes fully a mile across long habit and practice with the indians had immensely improved their walking powers and with long elastic strides they put mile after mile behind them long before the sun was at its highest a little stream ran beside them and they saw by the course of its waters that they had passed the highest part of the pass through the cordilleras three hours later they suddenly emerged from a part where the hills approached nearer on either side than they had done during the day's walk and a mighty landscape opened before and below them the boys gave simultaneously a loud shout of joy and then dropped on their knees in thanks to god for far away in the distance was a dark level blue line and they knew the ocean was before them how far off should you say it was ned tom asked when they had recovered a little from their first outburst of joy a long way off ned said i suppose we must be fifteen thousand feet above it and even in this transparent air it looks an immense distance away i should say it must be a hundred miles that's nothing tom said we could do it in two days in three easily yes supposing we had no interruption and a straight road ned said but we must not count our chickens yet this vast forest which we see contains tribes of natives bitterly hostile to the white man maddened by the cruelties of the spaniards who enslave them and treat them worse than dogs even when we reach the sea we may be a hundred or two hundred miles from a spanish town and however great the distance we must accomplish it as it is only at large towns that captain drake is likely to touch well let us be moving tom said i am strong for some hours walk yet and every day will take us nearer to the sea we need not carry our deerskins any further ned said throwing his down we shall be sweltering under this heat to-morrow below there even before they halted for the night the vegetation had assumed a tropical character for they had already descended some five thousand feet i wish we could contrive to make a fire to-night ned said why tom asked i am bathed in perspiration now we shall not want it for heat but the chances are that there are wild beasts of all sorts in this forest ned's premises turned out correct for scarcely had night fallen when they heard deep roarings and lost no time in descending a tree and making themselves fast there before they went to sleep in the morning they proceeded upon their journey after walking a couple hours ned laid his arm on tom's shoulder hush he whispered look there through the trees at a short distance off could be seen a stag he was standing gazing intently at a tree and did not appear to have heard their approach what can he be up to tom whispered he must have heard us he seems paralyzed ned said don't you see how he is trembling there must be some wild beast in the tree both gazed attentively at the tree but could see nothing to account for the attitude of the deer wild beast or no ned said he will do for our dinner so saying he unslung his bow and fitted an arrow there was a sharp twang and the deer rolled over struck to the heart 
There was no movement in the tree, but Ned placed another arrow in place. Tom had done the same. They stood silent for a few minutes, but all was still. Keep your eyes on that tree and advance slowly, Ned said. Have your sword ready in case of need. I cannot help thinking there is something there, though what it is I can't make out. Slowly and with greatest caution they approached the tree. All was perfectly still. No beast big enough to hurt us can be up there, Ned said at last. None of the branches are thick enough to hide him. Now for the stag. Ned bent over the carcass of the deer, which lay a few feet only from the tree. Then suddenly there was a rapid movement among the creepers which embraced the trunk. Something swept between Ned and Tom, knocking the latter to the ground, while a cry of alarm and astonishment rose from Ned. Confused and surprised, Tom sprang to his feet, instinctively drawing his sword as he did so. For a moment he stood paralyzed with horror. A gigantic snake had wound its coils round Ned's body, its head towering above his, while its eyes flashed menacingly and its tongue vibrated with a hissing sound as it gazed at Tom. Its tail was wound round the trunk of the tree. Ned was powerless, for his arms were pinioned to his side by the coils of the reptile. It was but a moment that Tom stood appalled. He knew that, at any instant, by the tightening of its folds, the great boa could crush every bone of Ned's body, while the very closeness of its embrace rendered it impossible for him to strike at it, for fear of injuring its captor. There was not an instant to be lost. Already the coils were tightening, and a hoarse cry broke from Ned. With a rapid spring Tom leaped beyond his friend, and with a blow delivered with all his strength, severed the portion of the tail coiled round the tree from the rest of the body. Unknowingly he had taken the only course to save Ned's life. Had he, as his first impulse had been, struck at the head as it raised itself above that of Ned, the convulsion of the rest of the body would probably have crushed the life out of him. But cutting off the tail, he separated the body from the tree which formed the fulcrum upon which it acted. As swiftly as they had enclosed him, the coils fell from Ned, a writhing mass upon the ground, and a second blow from Tom's sword severed the head from the body. Even now the folds writhed and twisted like an injured worm. But Tom struck and struck until the fragments lay with only a slight quivering motion in them on the ground. Then Tom, throwing down his cutlass, raised Ned, who, upon being released from the embrace of the boa, had fallen senseless. Alarmed as Tom was at his comrade's insensibility, he yet felt that it was the shock and the revulsion of feeling which caused it, and not any serious injury which he had received. No bones had been heard to crack, and, although the compression had been severe, Tom did not think that any serious injury had been inflicted. He dashed some water from the skins over Ned's face, rubbed his hands, spoke to him in a loud voice, and ere long had the satisfaction of seeing him open his eyes. "'Thank God!' Tom exclaimed fervently. "'There, don't move, Ned. Take it quietly. It's all right now. There, drink a little water.' He poured a few drops down Ned's throat, and the latter, whose eyes had before had a dazed and wondering expression, suddenly sat up and strove to draw his sword. Gently, Ned, gently. The snake is dead, chopped up into pieces. It was a near shave, Ned. End of chapter 13